Good morning. Welcome to all of you in the room, those of you watching from home as well. Great to be with you here this morning. <clears throat> we are at the last message, not only in the Joseph series, which was the month of August, but in the Genesis study, which has been going on uh, for the better part of a year. And we are in Genesis chapter 50, appropriately so, at the end of the book of Genesis. In the final chapter of Genesis, we haven't covered every chapter, of course, every verse, but tried to characterize and cover the entire arc and story. But in Genesis chapter 50, the dream, just looking at the life of Joseph, which we've been doing in these weeks, that he received as a 17-year-old kid, the dream that would define his life and his family's life, is finally realized in, 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 you know, in, in, in tactile, um, uh, in, in, in living reality. The dream that he has is realized. But we discover, as we look at this, it's not a dream about the empire, that's right, so what we thought. If you were here last Sunday, you know the story of Joseph. It seems like it all came to a head when Joseph was, you know, this, um, after all these years of, of being um, sort of neglected and, and sort of in, you know, in one negative turn after another, he's in a dungeon. That's the word that Genesis chapter 42 uses, Genesis chapter 41. He's in a dungeon. He goes from a dungeon to the, the king's palace, okay? It's a pretty dramatic uh, thing. And he finds out that his dream has to do with famine relief, not just for um, his family in the promised land, but for all of the world. But we discover in this final chapter, it's not about the empire, it's not about famine. This story is about the family of Israel and uh, the sons of Jacob, right? This is the family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, now Joseph. This is the family through whom God would save the world, not in spite of its troubles and even selfish behaviors, but through them, okay? But through them. In Genesis 50, you have a copy of the Bible. Open up. We'll just read a few verses. Genesis 50, verses 15 through 21, in a message titled, The Confession. The Confession. Genesis 50. Follow along as I read. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrong they have committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now, this isn't the first time that Joseph sees his brothers and even reveals himself. And it's also not the first time that he weeps. Verse 17, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. In fact, if you were to read these chapters, 42 to 50, which is the exchange, you know, they go back and forth to Egypt a few times. And Joseph finally, in Genesis 45, um, he sort of takes off his mask, so to speak. I mean, remember, they hadn't seen him in over 20 years and Joseph is there, and Joseph, um, you know, uh, who speaks a different language, has a different getup, he says who he, he, he is. But before he does that, it's more dramatic than this, it says that Joseph said to everybody, out of the room, 
right? The Egyptians, the servants, his, his family, like he was just making this proclamation. And everyone, it said, Joseph wept so loudly that the Egyptians even heard it. All of the household of Pharaoh knew about it. This is how loudly he wept. Now, why did he do that? He wasn't crying because he was angry. Right? You don't cry when you're angry. That's what his brothers think. He was overwhelmed with emotion. Certainly sadness, having finding out for the first time that his father is still alive, but actually seeing his brothers that he had not seen for 22 years. Okay, He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Joseph was a different man, that's my point here. And he sees now, only now I should say, does he see and come to understand the true meaning of his life, the true meaning of the dream. Now I call this message for our sake, you know, we, we, this isn't just information, we're trying to learn something from the Bible and have our lives changed. I call it the confession. And what I mean by the confession is not sharing your sins with a, with a, with a priest or a pastor. I mean confession as making statements, truth about learning, about coming to a place where he's, he's coming to some resolutions, right? Confessions that I think Joseph makes in this passage at the end of his life, at least as we know it, in Genesis 50, and can be a model for us, okay, the confession. First one in this passage. I will not blame others, okay? I will not blame others. Joseph now sees, right, You intended it for harm, to harm me. Nobody doubts that. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done right now in in this moment in the saving of many lives. Joseph sees past the behaviors of his brothers, past the trouble that it caused him, to the greater purposes that God is working out in his life. Here's the point for you and me. Okay, We need to leave the writings of wrongs to God, okay? Boy, if we ever needed to hear that message in the world today, right? We are so divided. We need to leave the writings of wrongs to God. That's what Joseph realizes. Did Joseph have legitimate reason to be angry at his brother? You bet he did. You couldn't come up with with a scheme that was more dramatic you know, Joseph couldn't have been seen more as a, as a victim by these evil behaviors than in this case. We saw this story weeks ago, right? They didn't, this wasn't some small act, okay, what they did to him. But Joseph comes to this place in his life, a place of maturity and wisdom. He says, listen, right? Yes, this was evil. Yes, you, you intended to harm me. He even, he even ascribes motive, right? When you're in court, you know, we have to, sometimes we have to figure out in great court cases, what's the motive, what's the intent? We don't know. Well, here there's no doubt. You intended to harm me. There's no doubt in Joseph's mind that it was done with, with uh, you know, malice aforethought, if you want to say, right? But God also intended something in those very acts that superintended what you were doing. And it was actually for good. And I've learned that you cannot blame others. When I was just out of seminary, um, I was an intern at a church in Dallas. 
And at the end of my school, um, this pastor, his name is Bill, he, he took a chance on me and hired me. I mean, I had no experience uh, in, in pastoral ministry. Big church, and he hired me, and he gave me all kinds of things to do. Get, opened up a number of opportunities for me. It was, it, was, it was really my true training. And he opened up a number of opportunities, and I would, I would look back on him now. It's been, you know, all these years, 25 years. Uh, 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 I would say he's the one who launched me. I, I owe him... Uh, to him, credit for launching me, in a sense, into vocational ministry. Not everybody goes to seminary ends up in, the, in ministry. Maybe not even half the people do, you know, just like maybe all other professional schools. So I have a lot of, uh, he, he was one of the people that had the most influence on my life. One of the things he asked me to do early on, uh, probably the biggest thing he asked me to do, um, even though it was a lot of things, was, was to speak to the staff on a, um, a retreat, and at least for me, that was a big deal because all these people, I admired them. They were older than I were. They were more experienced than I was, including the senior pastor. And of all the things he asked me to do, I mean, the congregation also was one thing. But he said, listen, I want you to speak to all of us here at the end of this uh, retreat. You're, you're the kind of closing act here. And that was such a big deal to me. I'll never forget it. And I got, you know, did my hard work, prepared for more than that than I would prayer for a sermon probably. And I'll never forget, I got up there going through my notes and when I finally came time to speak, instead of saying what I wanted to say, what I prepared to say, out just came um, this frustration and grievance and anger at people in the room, including my senior pastor. Now, when I say to you, it was an out-of-body experience, okay? <laughs> I mean that. In other words, what I'm saying, sometimes you have those moments and you go, I'm going to give it to them. And you've prepared to say this to a friend or anyone. They, they think it's one thing and you're going to give them. That was not what I had in mind. I did not know when I stood up there and opened my little notes to do my thing that I was going to say that. It was like an out-of-body experience. In fact, if there were not good friends in the room, which there were, who told me what I said, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what I said. And, and, and when I look back on it, it was, of course, these grievances, these frustrations were very big to me then. They'd be very small if I told you them now. But that's what happened. The next day, I got through that experience. You know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, nobody wanted to be near me after that. But I, 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 the next day, I walked into my uh, pastor's office, hat in hand. I mean, I just thought, this is it. I'm done. This was the stupidest thing I could have ever done. And I just knocked on his door, came in. I said, Bill, I just want you to know I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't even know what happened yesterday. Uh, and I didn't know what he'd say. He said, listen, Rob, thanks for that. Apology accepted. Um, don't let it get you down. And I'll see you in staff tomorrow. And he never brought it up again. Now, why didn't he bring it up again? I think he didn't bring it up again. It wasn't always that way in every instance. But because he understood something that this wasn't about my two or three friends. This wasn't about him. It was about this immature young leader who, who had a bad moment. It wasn't about him. It was about me. And he said, you'll get over it. You'll grow out of it. And don't worry about it. I will not blame others. Okay? I will not blame others. I think Joseph learned something. Some people say that Joseph's story is the story of a, it's wisdom literature. That's what they try to say it. It's a true story, but it's wisdom literature. Listen to these words, Proverbs chapter 19. I think what Joseph understood. Many are the plans in a person's heart. Isn't that true in the people in your life and the situations in your life? Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Do you live that out? Do I live that out? 
Many are the plans in a a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's what Joseph's saying in Genesis 50, verse 20. How many times, think about this, have you failed as a leader or a friend and went ahead and blamed others because you were not able to look past the secondary causes of the trouble in your life? Right? My dad, who's stepdad, who's, you know, he, he's lived most of the 20th century, you know what I mean? I mean, that's the arc of his life. And he's getting near the end of his life. And he says to me, maybe you've heard this many times before, he said, you know, Rob, um, I've, he's lived through, you know, Vietnam and Watergate and, you know, he served in the Korean War. You know, he's, he's lived some life. And he says, I've never seen this country so divided as it is today. Never, right? It's very discouraging. Why is the country so, families are divided, churches are divided, communities are divided. Let me say something to you guys, okay? We are all on the wrong side of history, okay? All of us are. The only hope is Jesus Christ, the word of God, and the forgiveness of sin. That's it. I will not blame others. If you spend your life pointing fingers, you will impede your own progress and poison your own soul. Joseph came to a moment in his life after a lot of hard knocks, after a lot of hard times. He said, you know what, guys? Take a breath. Yes, what you did was almost vicious, but I can see it through God's eyes. I can see it through God's purposes. And I've come to learn something that is one of the greatest truths that I've ever learned. I will not blame others. I'm not going to live that way. Um, You shouldn't either. Second confession in this passage. I will release, I release my future to God. I release my future to God to God. Genesis 50, 20, which I uh, read, I mean, many of you know this, is not only one of the, you know, you intended it for evil, God intended it for good, is not only one of the most um, well-known Bible passages, scriptures, I mean, right? It's, it's maybe one of, it's, there's, it's very pithy and it's very powerful, probably the most well-known verse in the book of Genesis, but I would say more than this, it's one of the most important theological truths in all of the Bible, Okay? That's why it's here at the end of the book of Genesis. It's not just an important um, truth in the life of Joseph. It's one of the most important theological truths for your life and my life, for our church, for our day, in all of the Bible. Joseph no longer, in this moment, sees his life as a series of painful disappointments and missed opportunities. Stop for a minute and think about your life. If anyone had a reason, after all these years, 22 years had passed since Genesis 37 and Genesis 50. 22 years of being forgotten. 22 years of of nobody, uh, of of wondering, what what was this all about? What was the whole point of being the son of Jacob, right? The grandson, the great-grandson of Abraham. What was the point of this dream? It's been one negative thing after another. I've lived 22 years in a culture where nobody understands me, where I am the lowest of the low. 
Egyptians wouldn't even eat with Jews, right? They were the lowest, so they were shepherds. They were dirty if you lived in Egypt. Joseph didn't go to Egypt for a vacation. He lived there from 17 until 110, lived his whole life there. How could that possibly be in the purpose of God? If anybody's life would have been chronicled as um, painful disappointments and missed opportunities, it would have been Joseph. You ever have those moments with your friend or maybe with yourself, you know, over a, a coffee or a glass of wine or whatever, and someone just says, just want to just pour out to you, you know. My life has been one, dis- one painful disappointment after another. This person, this spouse, this friend, this company, the coronavirus, whatever the case may be, the Democrats, the Republicans, you know, whatever it is. One thing after another, painful, and missed opportunities, if only. I would have gotten chosen. If only my merits would have. This is my little thing, my little, you know, my little blow up, right? If only one recognized my gifts and my skills, right? If anyone had reason to be, feel like he got the shaft, it would be Joseph. A series of painful disappointments and missed opportunities. But he understood his life was not that, but it was a purposeful pursuit organized by God. And think about the harm his brothers did to him. They didn't, you know, forget his birthday or steal his lunch money. Is that what they did? When he says this, you know, when they say even in their little fake note, you know, their little cooked up note, your father gave these instructions before he died. You know, let's pull this note out. I ask you forgive your brothers for the wrongs they committed. They stole your lunch money and they, you know, they forgot your birthday. I don't think so. They humiliated him, okay? They, that's what that coat thing was. It wasn't just, they humiliated him. Then they threw him in a pit. Then they sold their own brother, their own flesh and blood, as a slave, as a slave. And that was an act of mercy. They really wanted to kill him. And then they went back and told their father that he was, he was killed in an accident by a ferocious animal. And Joseph didn't know that last truth until 20 years later. But what's Joseph saying in Genesis 50, 20? This premeditated act of evil was God's intended purpose for his life. God not only allowed it, he used it to accomplish what only now is being done. That's the word of the 20th verse. You intended it for harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The now being the, the, the seven years of plenty have turned into the seven years of famine. They're in the third year, and he's saying, listen, I have been sent ahead to save your lives. Isn't that something? The more you think about it, they intended it for evil. God intended it for good. The more you fill your mind with this book, okay, the more you will see this great truth everywhere in the Bible and in your own life. Just listen to this one verse. It's a, it's, listen, it's the heart of the gospel itself that you and I preach and live by. Peter's great sermon the Apostle Peter, Acts chapter 2, when Peter was, um, you know, given the, 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 if you know the story, many of you do, the descent of the Spirit. It's the launch of the church of Jesus Christ. 
And of course, nothing makes any sense. Judaism has been, has been completed and Jesus has been fulfilled. The old system has somewhat gone away, right? The temple ends up coming down, as Jesus said. They'll tell every, every story. So much is happening in the resurrection of Jesus that nobody can make any sense of it because it, it, it seems to contradict everything that people thought. Watch what he says here. You, you intended it for evil, God meant it for good. Fellow Israelites, this is Peter speaking to all the people at Pentecost, Jewish folks from all over the world. Listen to this. You'll never believe it. You know? Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. Read the Gospels. As you yourselves know. Right? This was right after the fact. It's no mystery. When somebody comes through and you know, he, uh, feeds the 4,000, feeds the 5,000, raises people from the dead, and does what Jesus did, and it's all in this small community the size of you know, Utica, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's not a mystery. Everybody knows about it. This man, verse 23, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Wow. Jesus Christ went to the cross because of wicked men, because of evil men, because of people that were threatened by his preaching, threatened by his, his, um, his, what he said about the, the religious establishment, threatened by that he was going to challenge the politics of the day, threatened by who he was. So they said, if you read the Gospels, we need to stamp this guy out. This wasn't the, the mafia. This was the religious leadership said, we have a plot to take his life. Wicked men, they're called. However... This man was handed over to you, not by wicked men only, but by the deliberate plan and foreknowledge of God. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold on him. So when I say this is one of the most important truths in the Bible, one of the most important truths for your life, this is, it's at the center of the gospel. Right? This is, this is the heart of our faith. This is how God works in our lives. Paul would say it in another way, very famous verse. I don't need to throw it up there. And we know that in all things, God is working for the good, your life, my life, church, to all those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In all things. Why would you say that? If you read the whole uh, Romans 8 passage there, he's saying in all things because he's saying, listen, he wants to emphasize the negative because that great verse that we all know, Romans 8, 28, is in the context of a, of a, of a, of a section of scriptures talking about human suffering. It's all about human sufferings. The world's coming unglued. Even the natural phenomenon, he says. Even nature itself is groaning, like earthquakes. That's what he's saying. The whole universe is groaning, as are you. And even Christians, even those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan. That's all before you get to this great verse, right? And Paul says, even we know this, Paul said. This is a fact. Wake up. Don't you know your Bible? Genesis chapter 50, right? Wake up. We know that in all things, the offenses, the slights, the missed opportunities, the painful disappointment. In all things, God is working for the good, okay, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How different would my life be? 
How different would your life be if you really believed that when it comes to the challenges you're facing today? Okay? How different would your life be? Would you stop pointing fingers and wasting a lot of time, wasting a lot of energy, fighting things that God has put in your life for his own purposes? Wake up. Right? You think, this is what Joseph said, do you think I'm in the place of God? Sometimes we do think we're in the place of God in our own lives. It's ridiculous. It's foolish. If Joseph didn't come to grips with this truth, you think he, he could have stayed for 22 years, one negative turn after another for 22 years. I will not blame others. I will release my future to God. Let it go every day. What would your life be like if you, if you woke up every day and just released, faced your fears by releasing your future to God? I'm not going to blame others. God's doing something bigger in my life than what I can see. Finally, the last confession, I trust God will provide. Okay? There's even a future here. Think about the brothers. This is not the first time that Joseph has said to them, I love you, I get it, God meant it for evil, you meant it for good. Okay, we didn't go, we didn't go every chapter in the Bible of Gen, book of Genesis. Everything is said in Genesis 50 has already been said in Genesis 45, right? He already said it a couple times, I'm sure multiple times, right? Because they spent time going back and forth to Egypt. Joseph said to them, you know, guys, I love you, it's me. It's all set. I, this, this whole plan was all designed so that I would come here and be the, you know, the famine relief guy under Pharaoh to not only save Egypt, but to save Canaan, to bring all of you here to Goshen. That's what he says. That's the point. Take a breath. Don't worry about it. God's purposes in my life are greater than have overwhelmed my anger and frustration about your behaviors. I love you. He wept so loud that the Egyptians heard him. But... His brother's fear was so great, they could not see in their scheme okay, that another greater plan was at work. See, I think it's true in your life and my life. See, where's, I'm so focused myopically on what's standing in front of me. This person that jilted me, my, my disappointment. My painful disappointment, my missed opportunities, like I wasn't my, with my staff, you know, 20 years ago. I'm so frustrated. I'm so focused on the immediate. I can't see that God's already given me a greater plan. They already knew in this passage, read Genesis 45, that all was well. Then why cook up this dumb lie letter? Why, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Here's why. Because the guilt still operated within them or guilt still operated within them because they could not trust the dream fully. See, that's what your problem and my problem is. I don't know if you believe this, if you've ever heard anyone say this, and I can't really explain it, but in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we read about it in Acts 2, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5.21, he became sin for us, speaking of Jesus, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, it's this short verse that talks about the, the unbelievable reality that happened on the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Here's what it says. That God, if you're a Christian, he has forgiven your sin, the sins you've completed in the past, the sins you're actively committing in the present, and the sins you have yet to commit. 
That's what the Bible teaches. Now, do you say, Rob, that doesn't make any sense to me. Explain that. I can't do it in two minutes, and I don't know that I'd do a very good job. But that's what the Bible says. See, does that mean I can live a free a life? I can soar like an eagle? And, 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 well, I, only if I believe the promises of God. See, Joseph's saying to them, listen, guys, all is well. There's no animosity. There's no judgment coming your way. I'm not going to retaliate. In fact, I got this little town called Goshen, which is the best of the best. You're going to live like kings for the rest of your natural lives. In Egypt, in Egypt, the, the, the epicenter of the world at the time. But they didn't believe it because the guilt was stronger than their commitment to the dream. The same is true of you and the same is true of me in our lives. It's a freshness, okay? The sovereign purpose of God, that's what we're talking about. You meant it for evil, God. Sovereignty is just a big word that means God's in, in, in control of the world and your life, you're not, okay? The sovereignty of God God's sovereign purpose can create a real newness, a new beginning. Listen, a genesis in the midst of a troubled world and a troubled life. That's why this story's here. It's a newness, a freshness that can negate the past. That's what's happening here. This is a negation of the past. This is the gospel according to Joseph. These guys think this is it. This is, a reckoning is happening. We're finally going to get what we deserve. Cook up this letter. And they know this letter is a, is a drop in the bucket. Our father's dead. This guy has, the, has all of Egypt at his feet. He can stamp us out in a minute. But this freshness, this new beginning, this genesis negates the past. Nothing to worry about. It redefines the present. I trust God will provide. So listen. You guys aren't going back to Egypt, or I'm excusing back to Canaan right now, because Canaan is, is, is decimated by famine. You're going to have the best of Egypt. Redefine the present and open up the future. That's true for your past. That's true for your present and for your future, if you're willing to live a life every day to confess that the righting of the wrongs is God's business, not yours. I will not blame others because God holds all the cards and I do not. I'm going to release my future to God. I'm going to stop trying to control my life because that's, that's, am I in the place of God? The answer to that question is a rhetorical question. No, you're not. Joseph wasn't, I'm not, you're not. And I will trust that God is going to provide. God will accomplish a genesis in my life, in your life, in the life of this church, if you have the eyes to see it. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. We love you. And Lord, I just pray for us, as not only as individuals in this room, on this uh, uh, live stream, but Lord, I pray for our church uh, Lord, in churches like this church, not only in Rochester, but in this country, in this world. Lord, we are so, so um, divided today. So foolish, Lord. Such, such, um, 
sadness and um, you know, sideways energy that we waste in our lives, Lord, because we're trying to be God. Help us, Lord. Help us as a church. Help us as a, a community to um, embrace the amazing gospel of Jesus, to know, Lord, that um, the word of God, the forgiveness of sins, the power of Jesus, this is, this is what it's about. Help us, Lord, to open our lives more fully to what you're doing, to trust you more fully, to take our eyes off of the temporary and be fixed on Jesus, on the eternal Lord, in the sense that knowing that you have full control of our lives, full control of the world. And even when we feel like all is lost and that nothing makes sense, Lord, um, the very opposite is true. God intended it for good and the saving of many lives. Lord, we love you. We need you. We ask for your help and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.